Welcome to episode 218 of the TruthQuest podcast, the truth about the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Intimidation. The more things change, the more things stay the same. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you're on social media and you see discussions going on about the FBI, digital currency, green energy, or the COVID vaccine, please share the TruthQuest podcast with your friend. Tell them to browse the episode titles and dive into whatever topics pique their interest. Episodes are available on a host of platforms, including iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, Podbean, BitChute, Rumble, and Instagram, where I post a short highlight of each show at instagram.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. Whatever platform you may be listening to this on, please take a moment and subscribe to the podcast. Give it a five-star rating, hit the like button, or leave a positive review. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the TruthQuest Podcast patronage page. All donations will be used to drive awareness of the podcast through online advertising. See this episode's show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for details. And finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. I want to start this episode with a question. What did Martin Luther King Jr., John Lennon, and Donald J. Trump have in common? Before I answer that question, I want to give you a brief history of the FBI, now known as the Federal Bureau of Intimidation. By the time I'm done, you will likely have the answer to that question, and you will understand why I renamed the agency. The history of this once highly regarded, highly esteemed agency goes back to 1908. What you will find is the esteem was largely unearned because today's FBI looks a lot like the FBI of yesteryear. The more things change, the more things stay the same. When it was formed, it was largely over concerns about state crimes moving across state borders. The attorney general at the time started the agency with no legislative authority and nine borrowed Secret Service agents. When the new AG came in, he named it the Bureau of Investigation. By 1915, the Bureau had some 300 employees. When World War I rolled around and the anti-constitutional president Woodrow Wilson needed to silence dissent over his rolling into war and his paranoia about spies, guess what he used? The Bureau. The overreach of the agency was almost immediate with the Palmer raids of 1919 and 1920 as they arrested foreign anarchists, communists, and radical leftists. In 1923, it was uncovered that the Bureau was spying on members of Congress. That bureau director was replaced with J. Edgar Hoover, who led the agency for nearly 50 years and was accurately described by one reporter as a, quote, long-lived federal agency bureaucrat who used his five-decade dictatorial control of the FBI to transform the agency into a vehicle for shielding organized crime, fortifying his corrupt political partners, oppressing black Americans, surveilling his political enemies, suppressing free speech and dissent, and as a platform for building a cult of personality around his own inflated ego, end quote. Sounds like some of our more recent FBI directors. Prohibition made the Bureau. They became the tip of the spear going after all the bad guys who were easily overrunning and or buying off their local law enforcement. You probably recognize some of the names like John Dillinger, Bonnie and Clyde, and Al Capone. In 1935, we get the renaming of the agency to the Federal Bureau of Investigation. World War II rolled around and we have yet again another power-hungry anti-constitutionalist in the White House, FDR. He, like Woodrow, wanted to hunt communists and fascists. After the Pearl Harbor attacks, the FBI arrested over 4,000 foreign aliens. 
1944, we're at 13,000 employees. Throughout the 1950s, the FBI seemed to thrive by today's standards, fighting against organized crime and Soviet agents infiltrating the government. Then comes the 1960s, which is where we see the maxim, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely, consume the FBI. And as you will see, they haven't changed since. Enemies of the state became targets of the FBI. And by enemies of state, I mean people involved in the civil rights movement and the anti-war movement. We will discuss shortly two high-profile cases of abuse of power in both instances, MLK and John Lennon. But the real question is how many hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of other nameless, not famous Americans were harassed, intimidated, set up, and or prosecuted by the FBI for being involved in either of those movements. It was during this time, between 1956 and 1971, the FBI conducted an intensive domestic counterintelligence program termed COINTEL PRO. It was intended to neutralize domestic political dissidents. This included the Communist Party, the Socialist Workers Party, and the KKK. The explicit objective, according to one FBI memo, was to expose, disrupt, misdirect, discredit, or otherwise neutralize perceived threats to the government's power. Remember that quote as I discuss the modern-day FBI. Disrupt, misdirect, discredit, and neutralize. As Congressman Steve Cohen explains, quote, COINTEL PRO was set up to surveil and disrupt groups and movements that the FBI found threatening. Many groups, including anti-war, student and environmental activists, and the New Left were harassed, infiltrated, and falsely accused of criminal activity. Sound familiar? The more things change, the more things stay the same. The 1970s was a tumultuous decade for the FBI. Hoover died in 72. The Bureau's involvement in Watergate. In 1975, the Church Committee, a Senate task force, was charged with investigating abuses by the CIA, the NSA, the IRS, and the FBI, in particular the abuses of the COINTEL Pro program. Its report could have been written this year. Here are two excerpts. Quote, too many people have been spied upon by too many government agencies and too much information has been collected. The government has often undertaken the secret surveillance of citizens on the basis of their political beliefs, even when those beliefs pose no threat of violence or illegal activities on behalf of a hostile foreign power. The report continues. Groups and individuals have been harassed and disrupted because of their political views and their lifestyles. Investigations have been based upon vague standards whose breadth made excessive collection inevitable. Unsavory and vicious tactics have been employed, including anonymous attempts to break up marriages, disrupt meetings, ostracize persons from their professions, and provoke target groups into rivalries that might result in death. Intelligence agencies have served the political and personal objectives of presidents and other high officials. The more things change, the more things stay the same. Coming out of the Church Committee, in 1978, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, the FISA Act, was passed. If you want to surveil somebody, you need a judge to sign off on a warrant. Well, as we have found out, through the persecution of all things Trump, the FISA court became nothing more than a rubber stamp of warrants, and the FBI routinely lied to the court. In the 1980s, we saw drugs and international terrorism become more prevalent and the subject of FBI scrutiny. In 1993, we had the Waco, Texas disaster and mass murder by the FBI of a bunch of cult members, the Branch Davidians. 
September 11, 2001 hit, and the Patriot Act put the power of the FBI and all federal law enforcement went on steroids. With that brief history in hand, let's circle back to the question I posed at the beginning. What did Martin Luther King Jr., John Lennon, and Donald J. Trump have in common? Answer, they were, or are, the victims of a vicious, vindictive federal agency and subjected to unprecedented, illegal, unconstitutional harassment and intimidation from the FBI. What does that tell you about the FBI? In one generation, they moved from being the racial discrimination and anti-war Gestapo to the MAGA Gestapo. You may ask, what's the guiding principle of the FBI? Because it obviously is not the blind enforcement of the law. What then is it? I think they're at war with a change in the political status quo. I think they are at war with political freedom. I think it's pretty damn obvious that they are at war with anything and anyone who is not on board with the policies of the doomsday cult formerly known as the Democratic Party. Historian Howard Zinn once explained the FBI this way, quote, In so many of the little places of everyday life in which life is lived out, somehow democracy doesn't exist. And one of the creeping hands of totalitarianism running through the democracy is the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Because why does the FBI do all this? To scare the hell out of people. They work for the establishment and the corporations and the politicos to keep things as they are. And they want to frighten and chill the people who are trying to change things. End quote. The FBI and the Department of Justice are nothing more than a criminal organization, one that is supposed to enforce the very laws that they often break. They have become the enforcement arm of the doomsday cult, formerly known as the Democratic Party, a modern-day Gestapo working exclusively for the Democratic Party, or as Dan Bongino likes to say, they are Joe Biden's bouncers. You don't investigate a person looking for a crime like the FBI has done for decades. You investigate a crime looking for the person. You either enforce the law as written, or you fold up the agency. You cannot pick and choose. If you do pick and choose, you are no longer a law enforcement agency. You are a Gestapo-like organization that pursues its enemies and lets your allies go free. Now let's look at the FBI's treatment of MLK and Lenin and Trump and see if you agree with my assertion. It's widely known that Martin Luther King Jr. was closely watched by the FBI. At one point, he was labeled by the corrupt agency as, quote, the most dangerous and effective Negro leader in the country, end quote. All told, the FBI collected 17,000 pages of materials on King. Why target MLK? They argue that he had communists in his sphere of influence. That justified the massive violation of his constitutional rights. With wiretaps and electronic bugs planted in his home and office, King was kept under constant surveillance by the FBI as they aimed to neutralize him. He even received blackmail letters written by FBI agents suggesting that he either commit suicide or the details of his private life would be revealed to the public. You want to talk about dirty cops? That's about as dirty as it gets. The FBI kept up its pursuit of King until he was assassinated. John Lennon i.e. of the Beatles, for anyone who's under 30, was another high-profile example of the lengths to which the deep state would go to persecute those who dare to challenge its authority. What were his crimes? He was a vocal peace protester and anti-war activist. Lenin was singled out by J. Edgar Hoover, who directed the agency to spy on the musician. Oh, the horror. Speaking truth to power about the government's warmongering. 
His phone calls were monitored and data files were illegally collected on his activities and associations. There were also various written orders calling for government agents to frame Lenin for a drug bust. As the New York Times once noted, quote, the U.S. versus John Lennon is the story not only of one man being harassed, but of a democracy being undermined. All of the complaints we have heard about the government, all of the complaints we have about government today, surveillance, militarism, corruption, harassment, SWAT team raids, political persecution, spying, etc., were present in Lenin's day and formed the basis for his calls for social justice, peace, and populist revolution. As Adam Cohen of the New York Times pointed out, quote, the FBI's surveillance of Lenin is a reminder of how easily domestic spying can become unmoored from any legislative law enforcement purpose. What is more surprising and ultimately more unsettling is the degree to which the surveillance turns out to have been intertwined with electoral politics, end quote. Fast forward to today, what does all that sound like? Sounds like the FBI and the DOJ's pursuit of President Trump. The more things change, the more things stay the same. The Russia collusion hoax was a known lie from its inception, yet the FBI assigned resources to it for years, and they colluded with the Hillary Clinton campaign to boot. They lied to the FISA court. We now know that a key source for the Steele dossier that was paid for by the Democrats was on the FBI's payroll for years. And just today, as I'm preparing this episode, there was news out that the FBI offered Christopher Steele a million dollars to prove what was in his Steele dossier was true. The FBI has waged a scorched earth intimidation and harassment campaign against all things Trump, from Carter Page to Michael Flynn to George Papadopoulos to Peter Navarro, Rudy Giuliani, Roger Stone, Steve Bannon, and Mike Lindell. Most recently came the raid on Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence by the FBI over documents that he, like every other president, took with him once he exited office. What were they looking for? I mean, raiding a home of a former president must have been a serious offense for such a serious response by such a serious agency as the FBI. Nope. They wanted to seize classified documents, or so they said. If that was the reason, they should have raided Obama's residence years ago as he spent over $30 million fighting lawsuits to get some of his documents. The FBI continued their political persecution of all things Trump following the raid on Mar-a-Lago, with at least 35 MAGA leaders and Trump associates being raided by the FBI. At least, that was the last count I read. Steve Bannon, one of Trump's most ardent defenders until Trump fired him, and himself a target of the FBI, has said that the targeting of Trump and his allies is part of an effort to, quote, shut down all opposition political voices. The elites in this country have taken over and have assumed the same techniques of the lawless Chinese Communist Party, end quote. So what do you think? Is Trump in good company with MLK and John Lennon? What else has the FBI been up to in recent years? How about January 6th? So come to find out, when you read all of the indictments brought against trespassers of the Capitol on January 6th, there was a whole hell of a lot of unnamed sources and co-conspirators who appear to play a critical role in the event. You know what's weird? The FBI had a number of infiltrators throughout, planning and executing the supposed insurrection at the Capitol. They were involved in inciting the crowd and breaching the Capitol on that day. As the facts continue to roll in, it, it has become clearer and clearer that January 6th was likely the result of an intelligence setup. 
The FBI was not too busy to go after parents who displayed displeasure at local school board meetings last year, labeling them domestic terrorists. The FBI was not too busy to raid the homes of Project Veritas journalists over the acquisition of Ashley Biden's diary, in which she apparently discloses some not-so-pleasant things about her daddy, resident Biden, including incidents of inappropriate showers as a child. This is a woman who is known for having a drug and sexual addiction problem. Man, what a family. Hunter and Ashley, they have one thing in common. Creepy Joe. What about the plot to kidnap Michigan Governor Whitmer? During the trial, it became clear that this was an FBI entrapment case as they looked to find pro-Trump right-wing bad guys, i.e. militia members, in order to point the finger at and justify their unconstitutional domestic terrorist crackdown. The FBI sure does spend a lot of time setting people up. The day after the Mar-a-Lago raid, House Freedom Caucus Chairman Scott Perry had his cell phone seized by the FBI. They made no attempt to contact Perry's attorney, who would have made arrangements to submit the phone if needed to the agency. The most likely reason for the seizure was to extract lists of donors, conversations, strategies, and other electronically related information contained within it, given his position as the Freedom Caucus chair. In March of 2021, under the pretext of carrying out an inventory of U.S. private vaults, FBI agents raided 1,400 safety deposit boxes in Beverly Hills, seizing more than $86 million in cash as well as gold, jewelry, and other valuables from property owners who were suspected of no crimes. I bet you didn't hear that story on the CBS Evening News. The FBI went from targeting individuals to millions of people, as we know from the evidence that's been leaking out over the last few months about the federal government's collusion with big tech to censor dissent mostly over the 2020 election and the COVID vaccine, of course. And guess which agency is heavily involved? You guessed it, the Federal Bureau of Intimidation. The corruption of the FBI and the DOJ is just astonishing. The charge that they are nothing more than a criminal organization working for the doomsday cult, formerly known as the Democratic Party, is easily confirmed by their ongoing involvement in online censorship because the censorship always went in one direction. Anything counter to or critical of the current Democratic Party narrative? Never the other way around. Can you think of a single liberal or leftist or left-leaning organization, person, or media outlet that has been censored by big tech? Mark Zuckerberg appeared on the Joe Rogan podcast and admitted that the FBI told Facebook to censor the Hunter Biden laptop story in the lead-up to the 2020 presidential election. Please understand that when the federal government colludes with a private company to do something that it cannot do constitutionally, like censor free speech, the federal government and the private company are both guilty of violating the First Amendment. One of the FBI's most recent greatest hits is a raid on the home of a Catholic pro-life activist and author named Mark Hulk. He was taken down in a SWAT raid with at least two dozen federal agents and 15 vehicles. What was his crime? He shoved a low-life pro-abortion douchebag who got in the face of his 12-year-old son, cursing at him and spitting. Why doesn't the FBI pursue the low-life pro-abortion douchebag? For the same reason the FBI has ignored any number of other criminal activities, because we have a dual justice system at the federal level. One for prominent Democrats and people who share the values of the left, and one for everyone else. If you play for the right team, federal law enforcement will look the other way. If you don't, you will be persecuted, harassed, and investigated until they do find a crime because 
they are investigating people looking for crimes. And with their federal registry of over 70,000 pages and counting, you can bet your ass they'll find a crime. And if they don't, they'll make one up, plant evidence, or just set you up like we've seen them do over and over again. After all, the ends justify the means. This has always been the modus operandi of the FBI since day one. Muzzle anti-government sentiment, harass activists, and terrorize Americans into compliance. While the Democratic Party, the media, and the FBI collude to destroy Republican candidates, Republican voters, and anyone who does not agree with them, the Department of Justice sends out the FBI to cover up and or ignore the dirty laundry of Democratic candidates, their family members, and groups that share their ideology. Here are a few examples. Since the Supreme Court opinion in the Dobbs case has been published, overturning Roe v. Wade, over 150 pro-life pregnancy centers have been vandalized or firebombed. How many arrests have been made by the FBI? How many FBI SWAT raids have there been on the leadership of these real domestic terrorist groups like Ruth Sennis and Jane's Revenge, who openly call for this violence? As of this recording, zero. Jane's Revenge took credit for at least 18 attacks as of mid-September. Facebook labeled that group a terrorist organization way back in June, but the FBI can't bring itself to do the same? How many leaders of BLM and Antifa have been subjected to an FBI raid? How many were arrested during the summer of 2020 and prosecuted when they rioted, looted, and burned cities all over the United States? What did the FBI do to Hillary Clinton when she maintained an illegal email server and trafficked in classified documents and destroyed evidence? Were obstruction of justice charges filed? Was her house raided? Hell no. Former disgraced, sold-to-sold to the devil FBI director James Comey assured the nation that no rational prosecutor would have pursued her. What else has the FBI ignored? For almost a decade, they ignored allegations of sexual abuse of the U.S. women's gymnastics team. You can watch the congressional testimony of these young women if you want. And of course, we have the FBI ignoring and dragging its feet on the Hunter Biden laptop, specifically in the decades-old influence-peneling antics of the Biden crime family. Another shining example of a bunch of people who apparently sold their soul to the devil in order to acquire money and power. There's a lot of that going on in D.C. When it comes to the laptop, whistleblowers allege that the Washington Field Office Assistant Special Agent in Charge, Timothy Thebault, and other FBI officials sought to falsely portray derogatory information related to Hunter Biden's financial and foreign business activities as disinformation. Here is where the willful negligence and evidence of corruption comes in. These same FBI leaders labeled the information disinformation, which placed it in a restrictive access subfolder that made it off limits to the actual FBI agents who were conducting the investigation of Hunter. The FBI is a rotting from within with all the corruption. Despite the fact that the laptop's contents have been available all over the internet well before the election, the FBI ignored it. And now we know why and how. Instead of doing their job and protecting the nation from the Democratic nominee for president and his son, both of whom were thoroughly compromised by both Russia and Chinese actors, they did the bidding of the doomsday cult, formerly known as the Democratic Party, and covered it up. If you're interested in a deep dive into the Hunter Biden laptop or the Biden crime family, check out episodes 118 and 184. 
The most recent headlines around the FBI have to do with whistleblowers who are coming forward, apparently tired of all the illegal bullshit going on internally. Congressman Jim Jordan says at least 14 whistleblowers have contacted his office and complained about how partisan politics has infected the Bureau and turned it against conservative Americans. Allegations include silencing the Hunter Biden laptop investigation, manipulating crime statistics, and violating law-abiding Americans' first, fourth, and fifth amendment rights. Recently, one whistleblower, Steve Friend, alleged that the Bureau is under orders to inflate the number of domestic terrorism cases in lieu of child sex abuse investigations. He also argued, as we've discussed already, that the Bureau is violating policies in its investigation into the January 6th Capitol breach. Friend was suspended after his name was leaked to a media outlet. Another whistleblower, Kyle Serafin, appeared on Dan Bongino's podcast. He said that thousands of agents and employees feel portrayed by the Bureau's leadership. He went into great detail about how the FBI has evolved from a law enforcement agency to an intelligence-gathering operation that spies on law-abiding Americans to help advance a political agenda. That's a big deal because law enforcement agencies open cases and close them. Intelligence investigations theoretically may never end. The whistleblower explained how agents are incented to, quote, paper the file, meaning once you're on their radar, you may never come off of it. You're basically under constant surveillance, if for no other reason but to paper your file and show that something's being done. Serafin explained how agents are routinely directed to spy on Americans with little or no basis. He explained that the Bureau's management ranks are hopelessly politicized by inexperienced corporate climbers and that hundreds of experienced agents are staying on and putting up with the shit simply to collect their pensions. And one final nail in the coffin of the proof of the off-the-rails nature of the Federal Bureau of Intimidation. Just like the purge of conservatives in the military that started under Obama, Congressman Jim Jordan recently sent a letter to the head of human resources at the FBI saying he had evidence from whistleblowers that conservative-minded personnel and other whistleblowers at the agency are being purged. Can't have any dissenters in their ranks. The FBI has a long history of persecuting, prosecuting, and generally harassing activists, dissenters, malcontents, politicians, and cultural figures. When the government investigates a person looking for a crime, as the FBI has done almost since its inception, they are violating several constitutional protections, natural law and basic law enforcement protocols and ethics. Law enforcement investigates crimes looking for the people who committed them. They don't investigate people looking for crimes. That's called a witch hunt, which is then followed by a show trial. The DOJ and FBI needs to be dismantled and defunded. Certainly one can justify disbanding them for their obvious unlawful behavior and obviously acting as a criminal enterprise, but it's much simpler than that. They need to be disbanded because both agencies are unconstitutional. I disagree with Dan Bongino, who argues that the FBI should be disbanded, but the good agents should be sprinkled around other federal law enforcement agencies. He even goes so far as to advocate for an increase in funding to these agencies, to which I ask why. There is no power granted in the Constitution to the federal government for law enforcement other than counterfeiting, piracy, and felonies on the high seas. That's it. There's nothing about bank robbery, kidnapping, domestic terrorists, violent crime, cybercrime, or white-collar crime, all of which can be handled by the states. Hell, every state already has a State Bureau of Investigation or a similar agency. If the states want to or need to coordinate amongst themselves, they can set up some kind of joint task force and share their data. 
No federal involvement is needed. The federal government was created by the states who granted it limited powers. Given what we have discussed in this episode, does it sound like the FBI is limited in any way? I don't think so either. And that's the truth about the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Intimidation. Please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform.